Hello everyone. Today we are going to go all the way to Malaysia with a very special friend, a mentor during my undergrad and postgrad. I am really happy and privileged to have this guest today with us, Optom Fakhruddin Baroda. Hello. I'm excited to share the next episode of my series Across the Borders. And welcome to Nerdy Optometrist. an optometry lecturer at CQ University Malaysia he completed his graduation and post graduation from Lotus College of Optometry Mumbai and he pursued his career in academics and research trust me he's been fantastic in academic throughout his career so i think he chose the right path there he has got his fellowships from ICL and ASCO India he has published several papers in public health His clinical expertise include fitting irregular corneas and orthokeratology. He is a professor at the CG University teaching contact lenses, dispensing optics, low vision and advanced optometry care. He also has presented papers at both national and international conferences. Welcome to the podcast Fakhruddin and thank you so much for your time. Hey, hi Upi, thanks. Thank you for inviting me. This is the first time I'm doing something like this. So let's see how it goes. I'm sure it would be great because I know you, I personally have seen some part of your academic journey and you have excelled in it. I'm very excited and I'm sure so are my listeners. Can you tell me a brief summary of your journey so far? Yeah, I think you have covered most of it already, but yeah, I finished my graduation in optometry in the year 2011 from Lotus College and then I continued to do masters at the same year which I finished in 2013. Mm-hmm. After 2013, I have been into academic for about one year after post graduation, and during even my post graduation, I was teaching the undergraduate students. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, I moved to Segi University in the end of 2014, mm-hmm. where currently I am working as a lecturer here until now. That's wonderful. I think I have asked you this, and I'm sure many people would have asked you why Malaysia. It is something different. and sounds very interesting so can you tell me how did you land to malaysia yeah i took a flight to land anyways <laughs> but yeah uh, what True. happened is uh, while, while i was doing my masters and while i was doing my academic academia at that time that brought me interest into teaching and at the same time i wanted to explore what's happening overseas so i was venturing out and looking out to opportunities overseas mm-hmm. i applied at oman I applied at Saudi, I applied in Malaysia. Yeah, Google serves a good platform. I always kept looking for opportunities overseas and sending them CVs. Uh, I can't really count how many emails I have sent for CVs across many countries, yeah. And then finally I got an email from Segi University saying that yeah, they were interested to have a interview with me on Skype. and that's how it all worked so i got into the interview i passed my interview with the dean and with the human resource hr and they sent me an offer letter and that's how i landed up here that's interesting because i know that optometry is yet not regulated back in india how was it to go and you know practice optometry in malaysia did you have to give any entrance exam was there some process that you had to go through before you started as a lecturer what was the difference how did you go into that process 
When I started working, that time it was not very difficult because for teaching, you just need a teaching permit. Okay. So getting a teaching permit is quite easy. I mean, the university does all the paperwork. You just need to submit all your academic certificates and your relevant documents for it. Mm-hmm. But as as an independent practice or as a practitioner, optometrist practitioner, license is very, very important mm-hmm. because in Malaysia, the profession of optometry is well sorted. Mm-hmm. It's a licensed profession. And it is being governed by the Malaysian Optical Council. And they have an optical act which was introduced in the year 1991. Mm -hmm. So anybody who wants to practice optometry must be registered under the MOC. So if you want to practice independently or if you want to do clinical optometry, uh, you definitely need a license to practice here. Mm -hmm. Up till now, I am not really practicing independent optometry because I'm not yet registered under the MOC. Mm -hmm. The MOC only registers Malaysians who have completed their degree from a recognized universities either in Malaysia or overseas. They have a list of accepted universities online. So if you have passed and cleared your optometry from that particular university, then they register you under the MOC and then you can practice. Okay. So for me, Lotus is not under that list, nor, nor is Yashwantrao Chauhan. Mm-hmm. So I have not been registered to the MOC, but yes, they have started some exams, which is known as the Professional Quality Assurance or the PQA exam. You can sit for the exam and then once you clear it, you get a license to practice. So yeah, I'm yet to sit for this exam. I'm already preparing for it, to be honest. So even though your university that you have studied from is not under that list, you still have an opportunity to clear the entrance exam and become an optometrist in Malaysia and practice independently. Yes, that's right. That's That's right. a very good opportunity, to be honest. I'm sure not many countries do offer it. So I think that's a very interesting piece of information that you shared. What are the other opportunities for people who are not too strong in academia? If you want to come here to Malaysia to practice optometry, as I said, you need a license. Mm-hmm. So let's say you get find a job in optical industry or lens manufacturing, multinational companies or anything. To be an optometrist, to be recognized as a practicing optometrist, you have to have a license. So that's, okay. that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Without that, you can't practice. I'm doubtful that people would hire you as an optometrist mm-hmm. if you don't have the license in. But yeah, that's non-academia, like working in an optical chain outlet or working in an ophthalmology clinic. If you want to go into academics, you can, you have an option to do master's or PhD in some of the universities here. So first of all, you can go into academia just by passing the interviews and the universities take care of it. If you want, you can also pursue master's and PhD and again, get into teaching and continue in that area without having a license to practice independently. That's right. Okay, that's wonderful. How are the relations there between like ophthalmologists and other fellow eye care practitioners? Is it two different entities that works together? How would you describe that? Well, I would say the ophthalmology versus optometry debate still remains the same. But over the four years of time, over the four years plus of my time here, I think it's personally getting better. And ophthalmologists here have started recognizing the word of optometrists, the work of optometrists. And at, at the university level, we quite get patients referral. We have good connections with optometrists. At SEGI University here, we have 
an attachment next door which is an hospital so the hospital ophthalmologist will refer patients to us for the diagnostic care like doing d15 for further color vision assessments or asking us to do specialty contact lens fittings doing vision therapy for pediatric patients and binocular vision uh, disorders and also for low vision for some matters so uh, yes relations have been better we also have organized certain conferences and seminars where we have done these with ophthalmologists so it was a malaysian ophthalmology association and the malaysian optometric association doing a conference together so things have gone better i would say and i'm wishing and i'm hoping that they are going to get even more better in the nearby That's future That's interesting to know that how you know people have realized optometrists and ophthalmologists are working together towards the same goal Yes they they are now realizing that they need optometry to to actually be a cover to them because we do most of the work to be honest they are doing surgery part of it but yes the evaluation part of it I personally feel they need our help and we need their help too when it comes to referring patients for further treatment or for doing further investive care so yes it should go hand in hand and I think that's the way forward that's wonderful also I know you do specialize in many specialties like low vision contact lenses what is the level of practice there what is the level of care because you are also involved into research can you tell me more about the clinical work done there if you ask me personally i am not a registered optometrist here right but since i am under the cover of the university mm-hmm. i would like to say that i am practicing independently with the support of my colleagues so whatever work i do i do independently i see my patients independently but then at the same time since i'm not licensed so i cannot be signing out prescriptions i cannot be taking the final decision but yes my colleagues will supervise me and then it takes on further from there so yeah Yes I am doing otoceratology very frequently I am fitting irregular corneas I am doing a part of low vision advanced diagnostics and it's quite fun to work wow, with yes. you covering every aspect of uh, optometry care I think that's how you have been throughout the college years so <laughs> you're just continuing excelling in optometry that's really interesting another thing that I would like to know what were your major uh, barriers or limitations to me personally there are no barriers because optometry is same throughout globally it's just that how you start with it any barriers regarding language this is just one concern that i feel that anyone going to a different country which has probably a major population speaking a different language would have do you feel that is a barrier or not really here in malaysia there are three major ethnicities so they have the local malaysians which are malays then you have a chinese which is also one of the majority and then there is an indian community so yes when it comes to clinical practice or when i am in my university setup there is no barrier of language because if there are patients who don't speak english i have my colleagues to help me over mm-hmm. but yes when you go to certain outreach programs or when you do public health when you go to rural areas that's where a bit of barrier is there but i've been here for 5 years i can communicate with them already so i don't feel that language should be a barrier in the first few months you might feel that yeah what's happening people are not understanding you but slowly and steadily you would blend into that particular situation so i don't think barrier of language should be there i think it's 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 quite okay So just to confirm because you are into teaching your teaching is 
all in english right it's not that you have to face that challenge no no teaching is in english yeah english is a medium of uh, instruction and it's all in english yes So that's good. I know that you already did mention that optometry is similar all across the world, but what are the important learnings or something that you were able to take from India and you know you can utilize in Malaysia or how did that cross-cultural cross-country thing help you? I would say the clinical experience what we get when we see a lot of patients there in India because we have been to the same system we have been to the same learning process where we go to our OPDs and we we have a lot of clinical training happening there so you see different kind of patients and that particular clinical experience and knowledge i think is one of the key factor what has helped me here in doing my clinical work I agree. I think the number of patients we see is enormous back in India. So I think that's something every Indian can relate to, and I'm so happy that it is helping every one of us. Yes, our clinical experience I can close my eyes and vouch for. So whatever patients we have seen in our bachelors of optometry is enough for you to survive. I think <laughs> in most of the places. <laughs> True. Also, I want to know when it comes to. Uh, say someone wants to get their masters phd or even moc the exam for uh, becoming an optometry there how much is like the monetary expense that they have to invest and how good are the returns just want to give a real feedback on the monetary gains of investing something in a different country uh, for the exam if i'm not mistaken the cost for sitting for an exam itself is about 1200 to 1400 us dollars mm-hmm. the exam consists of six so you have been tested for contact lenses general practice clinic you have been tested for binocular vision so these three uh, include practical as well as written examination mm-hmm. and then you have low vision pediatric and ocular disease where you have uh, picture slides and written examinations only mm-hmm. so these are the six uh, topics which are been covered under the moc when you sit for the exam Mm-hmm. in terms of written what's happening here now that if you don't have a moc license to practice you don't get a clinical allowance which is a complete clinical allowance you get a part of it got okay? it so if you have a license you get a complete clinical allowance so i think if you were to invest 1400 let's say us dollars you will get it back within 6 to 8 months because you once you have a license your salary increases because your clinical allowance increases so i think the returns is is quite fast 6 to 8 months would be i think sufficient enough to get back the money what you have invested for the exam basically yeah and how is the lifestyle there because it's different i just want to understand how is the work life balance how is the lifestyle there if you would describe based on your experience lifestyle is pretty much similar except that it rains every day <laughs> or it rains almost every day i would say <laughs> the the otherwise uh, climate if you ask me is almost similar food is almost similar people are friendlier work balance is good yeah overall it's a nice experience apart from the fact you would end up loving rains or you just have to live with it <laughs> you you have to live with it i mean you have seen rains in bombay Right. you have seen rains in india across uh, we we have a seasonal change but here it's every day so you just i mean you just live with it it's it's not a barrier <laughs> you have to live with it yeah got it all right my last question is there any special advice recommendations anything for people who are considering malaysia or even anything outside any country and planning to go to malaysia any special advice for my listeners 
So uh, my, my personal advice would be plan your situations well, where you want to go. In fact, to be very honest, I have met people at international conferences. I have attended some conferences overseas. I mean, one of them with, with, was with you also. Yes. We remember we went to APOC at Seoul. Right. So we meet people there. We contact them. Uh, we get to know how their work culture and then yeah, plan well. And look out to sit for, let's say it's for Malaysia. Uh, I would highly recommend you to get registered with the MOC and sit for the PQA exam because then life becomes much more easier. Mm-hmm. You are more independent. You can practice independently. Even for other countries, I think you should sit for the licensure exam and get yourself a practicing license, which helps in two ways. One is you can practice independently. Mm-hmm. And number two is getting a job. So I mean, to get a job, if you have a license, it's much more easier by default. Got it. Honestly speaking, we have a lot of clinical training and I'm waiting for them to give me a heads up to go for the exam. They have not started it here yet. The first batch is not done yet. They are still waiting maybe for a few more people to get into it. And then I would also be sitting for the exam very soon. All the very best. And I'm sure you will excel as you have always done throughout the years. So thank you so much once again for your time. And I think you gave us a really good idea of how life is in Malaysia, how they can work and explore different things. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your journey with us, Vakrut. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope people get some information from this podcast. And it's really helpful for them to plan especially people who are graduating and who are new or fresh graduates. Yeah, I think you have to plan ahead well of future. So yeah, good luck to all of them also. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, can you also share your email or your LinkedIn profile where someone can connect? You can email me. I think email would be the best to be in touch. Uh, You can email me on my email address, which is optom underscore fakruddin, which is O-P-T-O-M underscore f-a-k-h-r-u-d-d-i-n at yahoo.com so i'll be free to answer your emails and if there's any question which comes up to your mind please blast me an email and i'll try my best to share whatever knowledge or whatever information i have here and yeah i'll be happy to help Thank you so much once again for everyone listening. I will be posting his email in the description. So in case if you need a written information that will be going along with this podcast and please feel free to connect with him because he's an awesome friend, awesome mentor and he's always ready to help everyone. Thank you once again. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.